This information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or accountant to discuss your particular business situation. SBA's participation in this presentation is not an endorsement of the views, opinions, products, or services of any of the participants, persons, or entities. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. This information is as current as May 5th, 2020. Aloha, I'm Evan Leong from Brain Gain Hawaii, and welcome to today's Save Hawaii Jobs and Businesses webinar for May 5, 2020. It's kind of crazy. We've been doing this for over a month. So this is our 10th webinar for this series. Um, if this is new for you, we have a resource folder with updated memos and previous webinar videos on YouTube. Buddy put that in the chat box. So um, please take a look at those if you haven't looked at them yet because a lot of the questions can be answered with um, that information. So please let me introduce our team for today. We have Jane Sawyer, who's the District Director for Hawaii's SBA and our champion for Hawaii small businesses. Darren Leong is a specialist in employment law from the law office of Darren R. Leong. Stacy Katakura is the CEO of Accumulus, which is an outsourced CFO and accounting firm. Jeff Harris is a specialist in employment law and a senior name partner at the Torkelson Law Firm. Buddy Leong is an analyst here at Brain Gain Hawaii. He handles our communications, our backend and chat box. And Coco Leong is our editor at Brain Gain Hawaii in charge of content, YouTube channel, and podcast. Questions for today, we'll take it through the Q&A module only that's located at the bottom of the screen. If you post your question in the chat box, it won't be answered and Buddy will ask you to post it in the Q&A. Um, please upvote the questions in the Q&A module and then we'll be taking the ones at the top with the most votes um, toward the latter part of the webinar like we have been doing um, in the last few. Please note, this is a fully volunteer effort. Our team has personally answered hundreds of questions, email threads, and hundreds of billable hours have been donated. And our legal disclaimer, this information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or accountant to discuss your particular business situation. SBA's participation in this presentation is not an endorsement of the views, opinions, products, or services of any of the participants, persons, or entities. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. This information is current as of today, May 5, 2020. And let's get started with Jane Sawyer. Thank you. Aloha, good afternoon, everyone, and thanks for joining us again. Um, I'm here to give you a quick update on what's going on with the COVID-19 response um, programs and financial assistance from the Small Business Administration. Uh, it's, it can hardly believe that it's just been about a month since we really started rolling all of these programs out uh, and the activity and the response that we've gotten across the nation, but also from our small business community here in Hawaii. Um, we started round two of uh, the PPP loan program, working here with all the banks, with a few of the fintechs uh, that are serving folks. and. Uh, have had quite a rousing response. As of May 1st, that's barely a week into um, the round two, we have uh, had over 7,700 uh, approvals for Hawaii businesses, and that means about another $413,825,000 coming into Hawaii small businesses to help uh, keep people on the payroll and sustain small businesses until we can get open for business again. So that means a lot of you are 
really gearing up because you should have been receiving funds into your bank accounts and closing loans with the local banks. They've been working around the clock to help you and get the dollars um, to your business. So I hope things are, are moving along. And if you have questions, you're finding uh, resource people in your community to help you and answer those questions. Again, if you have questions, you can go to www.sba.gov. Um, we are still taking PPP applications because across the nation, we have made 2.2 billion loan, uh, 2 million loans for $1.75 billion. So that means that um, there's more money left there. Excuse me, that's $175 billion, not 1.75. Um, so about a little more than half the fund was gone by last Friday. Loans have been coming in, so that, that dollar amount is going down, but we're seeing it spread out over time and a lot more of the funding going to smaller businesses, probably like Hawaii businesses, more mom and pops, more independent contractors and sole proprietors. The average size loan right now is about um, $79,000. So there's a lot more out there. It's getting spread around a little bit more. Um, if you're interested or you haven't submitted an application yet or don't know your status, check with your bank, go online, go to their website, see if they're still accepting loans or loan applications. And again, another shout out, fintechs are, are considering applications. Many of them have been approved by SBA for that purpose. So you can check out Square or Cabbage or PayPal and see if they can process loans. Sometimes that's a good way to go for a smaller loan and a quick application. If you're concerned that maybe you shouldn't apply, you have questions about it, great places to go to get advice from experienced consultants are like the Hawaii Small Business Development Center or the Patsy Mink Center for Business and Leadership, um, the Veterans Business Outreach Center. You can find all these guys, just Google them. They're here in Hawaii. They are trained consultants. They've been doing business here for a while and they can help you kind of walk through how do I fill out my application, what does this mean if I have to certify um, certain conditions about my business, how do I determine what my payroll is because I don't really write myself a payroll check. So um, there is help out there and you probably have a little bit more time to apply. We encourage you to do that. We know that business should be slowly opening up again and you want to be ready. So these may be funds that can help you just cover some of the expenses that you may not have anticipated, help you get your employees back, engage them before the doors are open and you're ready to go. So um, we've also opened up the EIDL, the Economic Injury Disaster Loans. That's a direct loan from SBA. Again, go to sba.gov, click at the yellow banner at the top and you can pick PPP or Economic Injury Disaster Loan, EIDL. That loan program's a little bit different we are still processing the applications. A lot of people are getting that big surpri the surprise in their bank accounts because the SBA is not announcing to you. If you're getting an advance, you may um, discover that you've got a couple of thousand that shows up with the line SBA Treasury in your bank account. That means your bank, you're, you are continuing to go through the processing queue. Um, they've opened up again to accept new applications or updates on those early applications. If you put in an early application before March 29th and you have a 10 digit number that begins with the two, go to sba.gov, select the economic injury disaster loan and update your application. 
you're already in queue, you won't lose your place, but it updates your application, gives you the best information, and also makes you eligible for that advance. And the advance is kind of like your ticket, it tells you that you're in line, and they begun processing your loan. So go ahead and take a look at that. Again, brand new applications are open for agri agricultural business, farmers, ranchers here in Hawaii can go to the idle uh, location and submit an application for these loans. They, they can be um, paired with a PPP loan, but this loan will give you more working capital. It does need some credit checking. Um, it is a $2 million loan up to 30 years to pay this one off. So it is structured a little bit differently. If you haven't taken a look or put in an application and you're a farmer, rancher, ag business, take a look at that and recommend you check that out in the next day or so. Okay, I think that's a wrap, unless there are any questions for SBA and we can get on to more detailed questions and concerns that people have as we get back to business here in Hawaii. Uh, Jane, there was one question that already got upvoted, which is um, any chance for an extension of the June 30th date since uh, many folks are just receiving PPP funding? You know, I think that's a great question and just the, the logic and the basic logistics that you're looking at would say that that needs to happen. Um, so I would say stay tuned, um, watch for, if you're not on our mailing list, um, send a note to the district office at hawaiigeneral at sba.gov and say, I need to get on your mailing list stay tuned for these programs because I think we are expecting to have more rules come out in the next couple days, definitely on how to use the proceeds, on how long we have to use the funds. Um, perhaps that will go to a rolling date. Um, and I don't know exactly what steps need to be taken, but SBA and Treasury are in consultations right now as we speak to figure out some of these um, really critical questions to make this package of loans and financial assistance be effective. So please stay tuned and we're, we're all, we're, we are in favor of making those changes. All right, thank you, Jane. Um, uh, you know, as Evan said, it's been a little bit over a month now. So I, I and many of you, it's, it's a pretty consistent um, group at this point. So many of you have been with us for eight webinars or so. So I should probably give at least some brief explanation of, uh, of who everyone is and the relationships. Um, we've talked about Jane, our fearless district director from the SBA. Um, uh, and then with respect to the uh, non-government employed uh, persons uh, on these webinars. Um, so you've heard Evan who does the intros at the top and handles uh, a lot of the leadership and logistics. And also you've heard Buddy's name and Coco. Buddy and Coco are young adults. Uh, Evan is my brother. Um, the other two are uh, folks with advanced degrees and that is Stacy and Jeff. Stacy is uh, our, the CPA on our team. And Jeff Harris is another employment attorney in town like myself, except Jeff has roughly twice the uh, experience that I do in the field. Um, the fact that they have volunteered this amount of time, energy, uh, when they are also running their businesses, uh, I think should just absolutely be uh, commended. Um, 
they have, you know, their own businesses that they run on the side, yet they've done this for a full month with us now, um, basically just to put good karma into the world. They are doing a wonderful job, and I just wanted to publicly give a shout out to them. Okay, we're going to do something a little bit different, which is we'd like to get a sense uh, from you of, of sort of where some of you are. So we're going to try to run a poll right now, and Buddy is going to put that up. Um, and there are, I think, four questions uh, you should have popped up on your screen right now, and then we will actually see the answers um, as they occur. Um, so if you could just take a second and um, do that now, that would be great. Um, I'll give you guys a few minutes to do that. Um, and we, and Buddy will compile those answers. Um, this is the first time we're doing it. Uh, the one of the main reasons why we want to pull um, what week of funding you folks are in is it's our sense of it that um, the deeper into the eight weeks you are, sort of the more pressing the questions become as to what a full-time equivalent is. And uh, it, to the extent we don't yet have a uh, an absolute definition what you can do about it. So, you know, uh, we're sort of balancing how much we sort of go out on a limb on, on that kind of stuff. Okay, so um, I understand that almost uh, everyone should be through that poll process. Uh, once that's done, Buddy will um, post some answers maybe in the chat um, or they can let me know how that's gonna occur. Uh, we also wanna know whether this twice a week um, webinar format is useful or whether um, we should now dial it back to once a week. Um, oh, okay, so uh, the major forgiveness um, uh, guidance that came out this week is a Q&A from the SBA and Treasury. That Q&A is, I believe, number 40 um, on the, the ever-growing list of Q&As from uh, SBA and Treasury. And basically what it says is for the situations where you offer an employee to come back to work, and those are offers for uh, what the SBA describes as full salary and wages and hours, um, and what happens when the employee rejects that offer. And so what they've clarified is those situations, um, you will not be penalized on forgiveness under the headcount uh, headcount rules, so which is rule number four in our, our forgiveness memo. Um, in order to do it correctly, basically you need to offer the full wages and hours in writing to the employee, uh, and then when they reject it, um, you need to document the rejection. So they don't need to necessarily respond in writing, but you need to document uh, that they rejected the offer. Um, and uh, what SBA has said is that will not um, affect you on rule number four, which is the FTE headcount rule. Um, I think though, and, and Jeff and Stacy can weigh in on this, I think though it still has an impact if that employee does not come back 
on the 75-25 rule. So for example, um, if you don't have that, those wages being paid as to uh, that time frame over the eight weeks for an employee and you have less employees, you might not be able to spend that entire 75% on payroll costs. Um, and that will, I think, still proportionally reduce the overall forgiveness. So I think it goes back to what we've said before, which is uh, if an employee refuses to come back, you could replace them uh, with a with a new employee. That's a situation where a replacement, I think, clearly would be allowed. Um, the last thing that Q&A did was to reemphasize to both employers and employees that any employee who refuses such an offer of full salary and wages and hours may very well forfeit unemployment, um, which is something we've, uh, we've discussed on prior webinars. So that is the guidance. Um, at least it's one, one tidbit that is, uh, you know, one of the, the major questions that's being asked. Uh, there are several others obviously still out there on forgiveness and hopefully we will get an answer shortly uh, on uh, more forgiveness guidance. I'm going to hand it over to Jeff um, uh, on a couple of, of issues. One is current EEOC, the uh, U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which is the federal agency that handles uh, employment discrimination claims and that sort of thing. Um, uh, some confusion that's sort of been out there with EEOC guidance, um, and uh, I'll hand it over to Jeff for that. Darren, I'll cover the certification first and then go to the EEOC if that's okay. Yes. Uh, on Everybody put May 14th on their legal pad. The, the Treasury and the SBA have issued three out of the 41 questions and answers on the certification that you had on your loan application that said current economic uncertainty makes the loan necessary to support ongoing operations. The, the most recent Q&A issued today extended the deadline to give the money back from May 7th to May 14th if you determine that that certification when given was was untrue or potentially untrue. And the other thing to remember about that certification is you can expect SBA and treasurer attorneys to be spending the next, based on past experience, five to 10 years determining whether or not that certification was honest when it was made. So it's important for those of you that have loans, I know many of you Adequately, adequately can support that certification, but you should be prepared to show that. And the reason I say that is be, the way you should be able to support it is you should look at the cash you have on hand, you should look at the expected revenues, and you should look at your line of credit, any line of credit you have, and say, even if I had all those things, if I didn't have this ex extra money, I wouldn't be able to keep employees. I'd have, I would have had to furlough them. And the only, reason, the only reason I can think about bringing people back is because I got this money. And I, I, we're not recommending that you give the money back, 
we're, we're recommending that you go to a trusted financial advisor, that you take a really good look at whether that certification was good because you're not going to, that, that certification just wasn't an idle certification to get the money. It's something that you're going to live with over the next five to 10 years. SBA and Treasury are still litigating over certifications people made 10 years ago for TARP in 2009. So, so, and, and I, again, three out of the 41 Q&As that have been issued have been basically on this issue, and they've been the more recent ones. Turning now to the EOC, many of you may have seen in the, in the uh, news coverage this morning the, the major East Coast newspapers carried it, and some of the legal press carried it. They said, those publications said, the EOC has clarified, you can tell a person that's particularly susceptible to um, contracting the virus to stay home, old people or people with, with severe medical conditions. And EOC jumped down the paper's throats and said, no, that's not what we meant. They issued a clarification a couple hours ago saying that they haven't said that and they'll clarify it. The other thing that they have said, and this is this is a particularly uh, appropriate focus for right now that the governor just issued today. Heck, he's opening shopping centers and pet groomers and a number of other outfits in his seventh proclamation that he issued today. He, he's announced that you know, we're going back to work. We may have to wear masks. We may have to stay socially distanced. But the other recommendation we have for you to consider is think about screening temperature at the entrances to your workplaces. The EOC has particularly said that's okay under the circumstances of this virus. And there are a number of devices available on the market that allow temperature screening to take place uh, just by people walking by. There, there are other tests that might be appropriate if, if someone has a fever or, or if you want to go the extra mile. But the point is, we're recommending you, I'm recommending that you at least consider those sort of tests as you reopen your businesses, particularly because the EOC has approved those sort of tests for employees. And it's pretty hard to, to keep the workplace safe if you, if you test your employees, but you don't test your other service providers and customers. Now, that being said, before you test particularly your employees and your customers, you, you should notify them in writing that you're going to do that. You should, you, you should be prepared to discuss any objections they have to that, and you should disclose the results to them, especially if, they, if the results are, na are positive and suggest the virus or some other reason to exclude them from the workplace, and then perhaps do some follow-up tests. That's all I have, Darren. Thank you, Jeff. Um, so I actually think these poll results are, are kind of fascinating. Um, on the once a week or twice a week uh, question uh, was 42% for twice a week, 58% for once a week. So we'll take that into account and figure out a schedule and you know, in our email blast, et cetera. Uh, we will let you know. Uh, I see Buddy just uh, had it, the answers pop up on the screen. Um, essentially, everyone here virtually uh, applied for and 
was approved for a PPP loan. Um, I think the stats uh, on the round two are actually very, very encouraging, which is that uh, as of last Friday, 56% of the total money was used, but Hawaii had um, issued through SBA uh, 7,700 loans in round two. Um, and on that pacing, we should have hopefully at least till the end of this week. So uh, it is my hope that we'll clear the entire backlog, um, hopefully for Hawaii or very close to it. Uh, on the question of what week of funding you folks are in, uh, this one is all over the board. Um, so there are actually 4% that are in the fourth week or later of funding. Um, there are 20% in the third week, 31% in the second week, 23% in the first week, and 22% that uh, have not been funded or dispersed yet, which means this, this answer is just completely spread out across the board. Uh, one of the things that Jeff, Stacy, and I have been discussing is that the deeper into this time period, in, in terms of thinking about you know, how to try to meet a, an FTE full-time equivalent headcount definition so you don't get reduced on forgiveness without actually knowing the definition, um, you know, what, what you could possibly do. Um, uh, I'll, I'll hand it over to Stacy, but my initial thought on this is uh, if you are providing the same both hours uh, and number of employees, you have a very good shot of meeting whatever definition is, ends up being applied, whether it's an hours-based definition or a headcount-based one. So uh, I think that is uh, one route that, you know, you have, can have some confidence even without an actual definition. Um, Stacy, what do you think? Um, yeah, I would agree. agree. I think um, absent any definition, I think the best way, I think the intent of the act was to keep uh, employee, employees um, paid during the eight-week period and as many employees as possible. So um, whatever look-back period that you choose, I think that your best practice would be to look at what your headcount during that period was um, and keep the same amount of full-time employees that you had then on staff uh, and look at the hours that you paid or any part-time employees. Um, in addition to, uh, I, I have answered a lot of questions about, you know, um, how, how much to pay your employees, especially if they might be on commission, um, if they're hourly with tips. Uh, so just, I, I would look at how much you paid those people on average in total, uh, during the look back period, um, actually, sorry, uh, during the, the full calendar quarter prior to receiving your, um, your funds, um, and make sure that you're maintaining that, that same average pay. Yeah, I mean, there's, in sort of thinking about uh, the certifications that talk about maintaining payroll and um, retaining workers, which suggests that you should be keeping sort of levels uh, that existed before, and also this most recent Q&A that talks about an offer to an employee of full salary and wages and hours, <laughs> the question immediately becomes, well, as compared to what? Um, there's a few different time frames that appear in different parts of the rules. So in the loan amount itself, that's based off of, you know, 2019 in total or the prior one year. 
in terms of rule number four, which is the headcount rule, that look back period is a choice between a period that's in the early mid of last year, 2019, or the first two months of this year. And then the third time period is the uh, rule number five, which is the employee um, pay uh, reduction rule, which is the, the last full calendar quarter, which I presume is January, February, March. Um, so uh, I tend to lean toward the, the most recent quarter in pay when you're talking about maintaining payroll, because I, I think of it as maintaining from whatever it just was. So uh, I think it makes sense that it would be the most recent calendar quarter. Um, you, you can probably tell, though, that um, we're going sort of further on the limb uh, as we talk about these things, because none of this has been uh, clarified with certainty by the SBA or the Treasury yet. We're just trying to decipher the, the bits and pieces and crumbs that we have so far um, to pro provide the you know, as, as best of a uh, educated guess as what these rules are ultimately going to say when they are finally uh, issued with, with clarity because, you know, a bunch of you are in your third week already. So um, that's at least my thought on it. Um, Stacy, I promised you to be in charge of Q&As, so have at it. <laughs> um. So I just wanted to say before I started to, May, May 7th, uh, this coming Thursday, is going to be the start of uh, the eight weeks prior to June 30th. Um, so we're really, really hoping that we'll get some, some guidance on these, these big questions about what, what is an FTE and what does the term payments made and uh, costs incurred mean. Um, so uh, the first question I see here, um, I received my loan money on 42820. Do I have eight weeks ending 62820 to use this money for allowable for forgivable usages, or do I have until six June 30th? Um, so you're you're you in order the eight weeks is the forgiveness period. Um, you you can use uh, the funds beyond the eight weeks, but we believe that will um, be beyond the eight weeks, but until uh, June 30th. And just that portion that's outside of your eight week period would be um, converted to a loan. Um, this one was directed at June, but I think we can probably answer it. Um, when can we expect clarification as to how subsequent uh, idle advances after PPP loan amounts? Does it make it so we would have a surplus equal to idle remaining from PPP funds received? So I think the answer to that is if you, so to the extent that you have um, applied for an idle and you got an, an advance and you also applied for PPP, um, your forgiveness amount is reduced by the idle, uh, that, the idle advance that you received, uh, presumably because your PPP loan amount was sized um, based on the maximum amount that you qualify for, for forgiveness. Um, so next one, uh, I'm curious about specifics of FTEs and forgiveness. I was not able to get all my same people back at the same rate. So I'm hoping that I can have an overall equivalent number of people in hours. I'm looking for specific guidance around FTEs, overall, overall, uh, overall hours of the job titles, pay rates, hours don't match for the overall 75% goes towards payroll. 
So I think Darren, um, do you want to take that? I think you already kind of um, addressed that at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, we don't have an answer as to what uh, the full-time equivalent definition is going to be. Um, if I was to to make my best guess, I would think that there would be some hours component to it. Uh, the most similar analog is one uh, from the Affordable Care Act, but the SBA and the Treasury has not told us specifically they're going to use that definition. So, I mean, we're holding back on prognosticating exactly what the definition of FTE is. Uh, we understand that's problematic because a bunch of you are deep into your uh, eight-week period. So I, I think that having, you know, an employee continue with the same hours and the same number of employees is probably going to uh, meet whatever definition that comes out because whether it's a headcount definition or whether it's an hours-based one or whether it's a combination of the two, if your headcount remains essentially constant and is maintained and your uh, pay and hours maintains constant and is maintained, then you're likely going to meet that definition. Uh, but to, to cut it more thin than that, I don't think we're able to do that at this point. Okay. Uh, oh, wait, did I, I think I might have dismissed the wrong question. Sorry about that if I did. Um, uh, Darren, there was on. one on how, how do you determine whether or not my loan was necessary? Uh, yeah, I, had I mean, some, I, I had yeah, some why don't headroom. You, why don't you re rehash some of the comments on, on that, Jeff? There's a number of questions on that. It, yeah, go ahead. It's it's going to be the question is going to be when you got your loan, what what did you know? Was it necessary to maintain normal normal operations? If you had some headroom, if you had some money saved up, if if you anticipated normal revenues, if you had a if you had a line of credit, then I talk seriously to your CPA or your, your advisor about whether or not you should give that money back by May fourteenth, and you should be if if. If you're unable to show that you did not have headroom, that you did not, that you had a good reason not to expect revenues, and that you you're you did not have a line of credit or it was going to be used for other purposes, then then I'd I'd carefully document that and feel satisfied. But absent that, I'd take a real hard look with your advisor about whether or not you can show that the loan was necessary and it, it, it's there, there are plenty of people where it was obviously necessary you already laid off your folks a month ago and you don't have pennies in the bank and you don't have a line of credit but absent that absent some sort of other option to pay your employees and keep them online understand that this is a this is a question about what you were thinking when you got the loan but it's an answer that will be will be looked at by government attorneys years from now, potentially, particularly, particularly for you larger uh, borrowers. Yeah, and so to recap some of the things we, we covered in the last two webinars, um, every loan over $2 million will be audited. Um, that is a rule that the SBA and Treasury have issued. Uh, and then a certain number of the loans smaller than that will still be 
audited or as the S, S, uh, excuse me, the SBA calls it, will be reviewed. Um, we did issue a memo on this um, because uh, we thought the guidance, uh, like many other aspects of the law currently, um, sort of is not the, the clearest or most specific. So we do have a memo on the Google Drive that tries to tease out um, what the factors uh, may be in establishing you know, necessary to maintain uh, operations. Um, I, I think there is some hope for clarity uh, now because essentially with the extension to May 14th, what the SBA also said in the same breath was that they are going to issue more clarification about what it means to be necessary to maintain operations. So I think we can expect uh, hopefully several days before May 14th um, some further clarification so that uh, companies can make uh, determinations uh, with good information about whether they meet the certification requirements. Um, oh, uh, just a side note, because uh, I think there was a chat. Uh, this is not my house. It's a virtual background. So anyway, um, uh, <laughs> Stacy. Okay. And, and we vote We vote before the presentation on which one he uses. You will recall yes. he was in another house the last couple of times. <laughs> so Stacy, um, uh, this is an issue that has come up a bunch of times now. So the the rules for calculating loan amounts say you're supposed to subtract the advance from idle from your loan amount when it's calculated. However, those rules came out uh, for many people weeks after the loan amounts were calculated. So uh, what do people do about, you know, if they're getting idle loans and grants dropped into their bank accounts now uh, unannounced and uh, what do they do as it, um, what, do, what do they do as it relates to the PPP loan? So I think um, the, the guidance says that you should reduce, uh, your, your forgiveness will be reduced by the amount of vital advance that you received. And I think, I think what's confusing um, is that idle loans uh, were made available before the PPP funding, uh, before the CARES Act. Um, and if you look at the allowable uses of both, um, idle actually has broader uses. Um, you can use it for, uh, for I can't remember the um, expenses that you have not been able to pay due to, due to revenue uh, losses, uh, which, you know, kind of indicates you can pay, you can use it to pay your independent contractors, um, vendors uh, that are not eligible to be used um, for payments out of loan funds. I mean, out of the PPP loan funds, um, there is no time limit, so you can use it after June 30th. Um, you can also use it for some of the same uses as, as you use a, as a PPP is, is used for as well. Um, if, so to the extent that you are using idle for the same purposes as a PPP, you were supposed to um, refinance that the idle um, with the PPP loan proceeds. So you can't use it for the same, same amounts. Um, but in any event, I think what I, I said earlier, if, um, the, the, um, because your PPP loan size um there's a there's a formula for that um that you're so you, you're you're not eligible for forgiveness um in excess of your ppp loan amount so if you um 
And so I think the loan, the idle advance was intended to, to kind of tie you over before you got your PPP loan proceeds. So I think the, the thought behind that was your forgiveness should be uh, reduced because you're, in, in essence, you received more than you were allowed to be received based on that, that formula. Um, Stacy, uh, some actual fairly quick questions. I'll just feed them to you. Um, utilities, uh, maintenance fees with water included, is that considered a utility? That's a hard question. You know, that's another um, area that hasn't been clearly, uh, clearly identified um, or uh, defined by the SBA or Treasury. Water is clearly included as a utility, but I don't, I don't know. I don't believe maintenance fees would be. Um, that's kind of a gray area. Um, for independent contractors and sole proprietors, um, is our contribution to Social Security, self-employment tax, etc. I'm assuming this refers to both the employer side and the employee side. Um, for this uh, sole proprietor, is that considered forgivable? Uh, unfortunately, no, it's not. Um, that's, uh, um, I know just, I know for employers, uh, the employer portion um, is, uh, is, for, is not for, it's not an allowed cost, but the employee, uh, the employee side is. Um, for, for independent contractors and sole proprietors, um, that is not an allowable cost. Unfortunately, and I think the thought behind that is your um, the amount that you're allowed to draw from the PPP loan is your gross pay. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I just want to dig into that to to be real clear on it. So, uh, if I'm a if I'm a um, essentially a, like a sole proprietor, single member LLC, uh, but I I pay taxes as if I'm paying. Um, FICA and Medicare fully on, you know, all of my, my revenue. So I pay both the employer portion and the employee portion. So I guess I think the question on the table is, is the employer portion of that tax that I pay, is that considered a payroll cost? Um, definitely the, uh, the employer portion is, is, doesn't count, but the employee portion, um, by by virtue of me being uh, in a sole proprietor, you know, do I still get to count that? I guess. Uh, I don't believe so, and I think um, you, the fact that you are able to um, you're you're able to pay yourself whatever draw you have. Um, in other words, your gross pay, um, which would have been included if you were an employee, um, that. I think that's that's the thought behind that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, uh, we got our PPP loan. Um, let's pass this one to Jeff, since I feel like we're leaving him out. So uh, we got our PPP loan from BOH today. Question, can we use the PPP loan uh, to pay back payroll for March? I think this one is a pretty clear one. Uh, Jeff. I'm proud to say you, you can see there that several of our participants already answered that for us. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm not showing. <laughs> and, 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 and the answer is again, right now the statute says that the expense needs to be incurred or accrued 
and paid within the eight weeks after you receive the loan disbursement. So the, the payroll worked in April, wouldn't, you couldn't reimburse yourself out of PP proceeds for that because the payroll in April was accrued before you got the loan disbursement. We may get some clarification on that, but as it stands right now, the, 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 the pay for hours worked but before the loan disbursement would not be accrued within eight weeks and would not be forgivable. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, Jeff, the next one also is uh, the relationship between, for a sole proprietor, between unemployment and PPP, and can you do both? Can you overlap? Can you do one following the other? What's your um, take on that? My take on that is administratively, people are having some difficulty doing that. Uh, the the folks that have uh, applied for unemployment as independent contractors have been told by the department that they can't get the pool of money. Uh, I'm I, I I disagree with that, but I'm I'm not administering that program. It appears that the pool of money should stack on 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 top of anybody that receives unemployment. Is that the question? Well, the question is, I think, whether you can collect unemployment and use PPP funds at the same time, or can you use no. them? In, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no. However, no. prior to the point at which your PPP amount is dispersed and your eight weeks begins, could you use, uh, could you get unemployment during that time period? Yes. Yeah. Yes, and, and then, as a matter of fact, that would that would support your certification that you don't have any money and need the, need the PPP loan to operate. Yeah, and then on the back end, because um, the federal unemployment subsidy actually goes to July 31st, so once you run out of that eight weeks of PPP funds, then can you go back on an unemployment at least till July 31st? Technically, but I'm not going to answer for our director, of Department of Labor. He's he's yeah. uh, he's got he's real busy these days. Yeah. Um, if uh, next question, we'll stick with Jeff for this. If I received a PPP loan and now realize that I will not be able to meet the 75% uh, payroll costs and qualify for forgiveness, can I renegotiate my loan to a lower amount? I'm going to reinterpret this question to say, can I give some or part or all of it back? Yes, you should You should speak to your advisor, and we strongly suggest you consider doing that. Okay. Um, is it okay if the payroll amount is over 75% and the other allowable expenses are below 25%? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so that's a... Uh, and sorry, Jennifer, um, email this one. Um, I'm not going to digest it quick enough. So uh, I know you have our email addresses. So yeah, there's like a bunch there. Email that. Um, uh, Steven's more of a comment than a question. Um, I, I would just say for independent contractors and self-employed individuals, um, the the 
most specific guidance that's been issued on this is the third interim final rule. So that is available on the Treasury website, and it is the um, it is the final rule that is entitled um, Interim Final Rule on Additional Eligibility Criteria and Requirements for Certain Pledges of Loans. Uh, it's on the Treasury's page where all of those um, are contained. Um, let me bring Zoom back. Um, Suzanne writes, I was told uh, I received PPP yesterday and it said the loan starts on March 1. Uh, that does not make sense to me. You may want to check with the bank. Um, she probably um, means May 1. Oh, okay. Then May 1 would be your, uh, whenever you get the money into your bank account, that's the trigger date. So the eight weeks begins um, at that point in time. Um, we get, we're there. getting so many questions about the same thing. Uh, accrued, accrued, and let's say it again. Accrued means the an employee accrues wages today when they work today. You pay the wages if you pay them today. Okay. The, the, the statute says the wages have to be both accrued and uh, incurred. 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 In, okay, yeah. incurred. Incurred and paid within the eight-week period. So, so I, I guess you could argue that you don't incur the wages until they're due. I mean, I, I think we're basically holding back yeah. on this because the literal definition of a cost incurred and a payment made, a, a cost incurred literally would be if I worked the hour in this window, that would be when it's incurred. Uh, or if uh, the vacation accrues on a particular date, that's when it technically would be incurred. The problem is that there are so many examples that make this impractical for this eight-week period that I think it's there's a very good chance that at some point SBA is going to say that, you know, some guidance that, that says something that, that may have been, quote-unquote, you know, triggered outside of the period, but paid within it is, will count. But without that guidance, again, it's, it's just, we, we can't say with any certainty until we have that guidance and hopefully it comes within the next couple of days. And, and when it comes, depending on what it is, you can readjust your accounts and, and compensate, internally compensate accordingly. Yeah. So let's let's close out on on an interesting question that I've I've been sort of thinking about, which is, which is essentially bonuses, hazard pay, any kind of pay that increases the amount that's going to an employee. Um, and uh, I think the kind of countervailing uh, sort of arguments here are number one for for a number of employers in order to get to 75% payroll costs of the total loan amount it will require an increase in pay for employees over you know what they were previously paid uh, on the flip side the argument is that hey this money is to uh, maintain payroll which suggests that it's not to increase payroll so um, I think those two things are, are in intention. So Jeff, go ahead on your thoughts on that. 
counter argument, hazard pay. Most of the employees that come back to work are going to be performing different functions. They're, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're going to be, particularly in a retail environment, that they're, they're, it's going to be a different and more scary environment. And so I, there may be many situations where you can justify some sort of hazard or retention bonus. But as we've said previously, don't just hand out that money because you have it, that extra bonus money because you have it. Articulate a legitimate business reason why, why you're giving that bonus. Such as there was a question about a, a dentist with, uh, with uh, staff exposed to additional hazard in the office. I could, I could see some additional hazard premium or some additional function that you're having employees perform that they didn't perform before that merits adjusting their pay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we will, uh, we will close it out. Stacy, any last comments on uh, Cinco de Mayo? <laughs> um, no, I don't think I, I don't think I have. The only thing I, I did maybe want to make a, a, just a quick comment. I did see in the poll that there were a handful of you that didn't apply for the PPP. Um, the funds are still available. Um, I think at least ASB and CPP are accepting applications. Uh, so if you're considering it, you feel like you could use some help or that you need it, um, I would urge you to apply before the funds run out. Yeah, I mean, based on sort of the up and downs of, of tracking the stats and what we thought would happen in round two and all the people who did not get funded in round one, I think it's a minor miracle that it looks like uh, we are going to clear virtually our entire backlog and, and almost anyone who applied on a kind of semi-timely basis looks like they will get a loan. That is tremendous news. The average loan size uh, in this round for Hawaii is $54,000 as opposed to 150 or, or something like that in round one. Um, it says that these 7,700 loans are truly going to small businesses, all of you out there who are, you know, five employees, two employees, 10, making, you know, it work and making Hawaii go. So we are very encouraged to see that. And, uh, we're going to, um, I think, at least for the near future, try to keep providing information as it comes out about um, PPP forgiveness and other issues that arise. Uh, we thank you for sticking with us. We know that um, this has been ever increasing in um, sort of SBA rules, ambiguity, um, some guidance, some lack of other guidance, and uh, we know it is difficult to navigate. So. Um, uh, we will stick with you and wish you a great week, and uh, we will see you at the next one. Thank you so much.